No situation is hopeless or impossible. for easy to receive from our heavenly father part three thank you for joining brothers of the word because brother you need the word we welcome all of you joining us by television or those of you joining us online at brothersoftheword.com or social media welcome to today's service always a wonderful delight and joy to have you to tune in and join us well, we'd like to share just a little humor. The doorbell rang and the lady of the house discovered a workman complete with tool kit at the front door. Ma'am, he announced, I'm the piano tuner. The lady exclaimed, why I didn't send for a piano tuner. The man replied, I know, but your neighbors did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are doing part three of something that we started a little while ago entitled Easy to Receive from Our Heavenly Father. Easy to Receive from Our Heavenly Father. And I just want to share some opening Statement: some things that I have found to be true just from searching God's word and just kind of meditating on his word and meditating on God's character, on who he is. And there are a few things that I have found to be true. And here are three reasons why it's easy to receive from God. Three reasons why it's easy to receive from God. Well, number one because of our faith in Christ. Because of our faith in Christ, we've been restored to favor with God. And because we are in Christ, we are in him, and so God sees us in him, and so we have God's complete favor. And everything we ask for in Jesus' name, you are asking on the credit of all that Jesus is. And so you're literally in Christ. When you're asking in his name, you're literally asking from the standpoint of being in Christ. And so that's the first reason that it's so easy to receive from God because of our faith in Christ. The second reason that it's easy to receive from God is because he loves us so much. He loves us so much. Uh, the Bible says that God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. He loves us so much, and it makes it easy to receive from him. And number three, um, it's easy to receive from God because we are his kids. We are his kids. And because we are his kids, everything that he has belongs to us. <laughs> Everything that we have belongs to us. Everything that I have belongs to my kids. Everything that I have. In fact, my daughter is driving my car right now. 
I don't even know how she got it, but some kind of way she got my car. She's driving my car right now because she's my child. Everything I have belongs to my children. When my son graduated from college and when he got his first job and he had to wear a shirt and tie because he was a bank teller and he needed a shirt and tie, first thing when he got his job, I brought him into my closet and I let him have, I said, son, you can wear any suit I have, any tie I have, any shirt. And I literally dressed him for the first few weeks of his working career. <laughs> because everything I have belongs to my kids. Everything I have. And I was recently reminded of that when I saw him eating up all my food. <laughs> everything that I have <laughs> belongs to my kids. And I'm talking about grown kids. These are grown kids now. <laughs> they still eating up all my food. <laughs> so it's easy to receive from God because we are his kids. That's, those are three things I thought about. Those are three reasons why it's easy to receive from God. It's because of our faith in Christ, because he loves us so much, and because we are his kids. Now I thought about three dispositions or three characteristics of the way God gives to us, the way God gives to us. Number one, he gives freely. He gives freely, unhindered, uninterrupted. He gives freely. He gives freely to us. Um, the Bible says that if he withheld not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, shall he not with him freely give us all things. So he gives us freely. The Bible also says in Psalms 84, 11, says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So he gives to us freely, number one. Number two, something I noticed about God receiving from him, he loves to do it. God loves to give to us. He loves to do it. He's not only willing, but he wants to. He's not only willing to do it, he actually wants to do it. He actually takes pleasure in it. It's his delight. He enjoys. It's his pleasure to do it. It's his pleasure. In fact, in one of the translations where somebody came to Jesus for help, and Jesus replied in one translation, it's my pleasure. I'm delighted. I'm delighted to do it. It's my pleasure. I love that. So, number one, he gives to us freely. Number two, he loves to do it. And number three, I found that God gives to us abundantly. He gives to us abundantly. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that works in us. So notice that God never gives us just enough he gives it to us abundantly, abundantly. Uh, you remember when he multiplied the fish and loaves? They had 12 baskets left over. That's a part of his nature. God is always more than enough. He's the God of more than enough. He's El Shaddai. He's El Shaddai. And so I notice he gives to us abundantly. The psalmist said, my cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. And so the book of James, I believe in chapter 1, somewhere in chapter 1, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally, upbraideth not. So notice that. So God gives to us abundantly. He gives to us abundantly. So those are just three characteristics that I noticed of how God 
gives to us, he gives freely. Number two, he loves to do it. And number three, he gives abundantly. He gives abundantly. Now, there are some other things I've learned about God and why it's easy to receive. And I'll just share some of those bullet points with you. This is just me, you know, just sitting down, communing with God and just writing down some things that I know from his character, from characteristics about him, from his word, why it's easy to receive from him. Here's some things I jotted down. He's kind. He's willing to help. He honors our faith. Someone said, doubt and do without or believe and receive. He honors our faith. That's Mark eleven twenty four. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and ye shall have them. When do you believe you receive? When you pray. Not when you get it. You believe you receive when you pray. You believe you receive when you pray. It's like if you call somebody to borrow $100, and they said, sure, I'll do it. And you will thank them then, even though you haven't received the $100. But you thank them because you believe you're going to receive it. And so that's what Mark eleven twenty four is saying to us. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it, and you shall have it. And so he honors our faith. So I notice about God, he's kind. He's willing to help. He honors our faith. He is faithful to forgive you. He is faithful to heal you. His loving kindness is always here. His grace is always here. His goodness is always here. His love is always here. And he can be trusted. He can be trusted. And so all of these are characteristics or qualifications of why it is easy to receive from God. Easy to receive from our Heavenly Father. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful that he's so easy to receive from? I love that. I love that. He's so easy to receive. So easy to receive. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I remember one of my brothers, uh, it was actually my brother Bernard, I remember him telling the story. He said one day his daughter was in the house and she was kind of just starting out on her own. She came in the house and he said to her, he said, go and lick in my wallet and take all the cash that I have. And she did it. <laughs> he didn't have to tell her twice. <laughs> oh, that's the way God is. He is so easy to receive. He's so easy to receive. He's so kind. He's willing. And don't forget, he does it because he loves you so much, because you're his child, and because of your faith in Christ. Your faith in Christ makes it easy to receive from him. Let me share a little bit. We'll start in here and we'll probably finish next time, but I just want to share a little bit in the book of Acts, book of Acts chapter 3, book of Acts chapter 3, and this is Acts chapter 3. I'll just kind of read along and we'll kind of stop and 
exegete some of these verses. But I don't know, I was kind of drawn to Acts chapter 3 because in Acts chapter 3, there was a man who needed to receive and he received. And so I I was just kind of reminded of that. But Acts chapter 3, he needed to receive something from God. But look at um, verse, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. And there are some things that really speaks to us in this. As I said before, I love to look at text and what it speaks to us today. There's so much revelation, there's so much wisdom, so many insights on so many levels that God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to us through the vista of time. And so even though something was said centuries ago, it is relevant and powerful to our lives today. And that's the power of his word. But in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. What does that say to us? That says to us to be on the right path with the right company. Notice that. These were two buddies, Peter and John, two disciples. And so this speaks to us about having right associations. Be on the right path with the right people. They were kindred spirit. They were going to the same place. And so we all need someone who's going to the same place that we're going in life. You need to run with somebody who you want to go to the same place that they're going and and vice versa. And so this talks about association, being on the right path. They were going to the temple, so they were on the right path, and they had the right association. That speaks to us, be on the right path with the right company. My father lived by three values, work hard, be honest, and keep good company. Those were three values that, that he lived by. And of course, put God first, family second, and business third. Those were the six principles that he was, he was raised on that were passed down from generations to generation. But one of those was keep good company. And that's what that's saying to us right here in the book of Acts chapter 3. And maybe where his ancestors got it from. I don't know. <laughs> but be on the right path with the right company. Be on the right path with the right company. I've said it before, but we all need a Paul, we all need a Barnabas, and we all need a Timothy in our lives. Paul represents someone ahead of you. You always need a mentor. Barnabas represents somebody on the same level you are on. That's your running buddy. You're going in the same direction. Timothy represents somebody that you are mentoring yourself. So you're teaching somebody behind you, You're traveling with somebody on your own equal level. And then you're submitted to someone who's a mentor in your life. And so we all need a Paul. We all need a Barnabas. We all need a Timothy relationship. And so here we learn the power of association, being on the right path with the right company. And then in verse 2, notice this, something powerful. Verse 2, on a certain man lame from his mother's womb. A certain man lame from his mother's womb. 
That says to us that he had been in this condition all of his life. He had been in this condition all of his life, but yet his life was about to change. I love that. I love the way that God puts these truths, these points of power for us. He had been this way all of his life. From his mother's womb, he was lame from his mother's womb. Oftentimes, we think we are stuck, and this has to be the way it's going to be for the rest of our lives. No, it doesn't. That's what the Bible is pointing out here. He had been in that condition all of his life, but his life was about to change. That says to us, no situation is hopeless or impossible. No situation is hopeless or impossible. Isn't that good? That's good news. No situation is hopeless or impossible. No situation is hopeless or impossible because all things are possible with God. All things are possible to him that believeth. No situation is hopeless and nothing is impossible. And it also lets us know it's never too late and you're never too old to change your life or to try something new. He had been this way since birth from the womb, but it wasn't too late to change his life. It wasn't too late for him to have a new beginning, a new start, and start something new. Robert Shuler said, attitude, not age, determines energy. So it's your attitude, it's your outlook, it's your faith, it's your hope, it's your dream and desire that God put in your heart. That determines your energy. If you feel old and tired, it's because you've stopped dreaming. It's because you're not in touch with God's purpose in your life. Attitude, not age, determines your energy. You're never too old. It's never too late for you to change your life or to start something new or to try something new. That's what it tells us. And that's why the Bible specifically points out that he had been this way from his mother's womb. All of his life he had been like this, but God had a change for him. God had a change for him. So it's never too late. No situation is ever hopeless or impossible because of the God we serve. Praise God. Praise God. Then notice this. A certain man was lame from his mother's womb, was carried. He was carried. Carried, that tells us that you will need the help of others and you will need to give help to others. Somebody carried him. Somebody carried him. So you'll need the help of others and you sometimes will be the one carrying someone else. So that's a biblical truth that sometimes you'll, you'll need help and sometimes you'll be the one giving the help. That you will need the help of others. You'll need the help of others. Jesus, this is also a picture of Jesus carrying our sicknesses and he bore our diseases. Jesus carried our sicknesses and he bore our diseases on the cross so we don't have to carry them. And then I love this part. Verse 2, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. 
he was lame. Somebody had to carry him. But notice that he was there every day. Now, that's powerful. If anybody had an excuse to stay home, it was him. He had an excuse. I would have given him an excuse to stay home. He was lame. He couldn't walk. Take the day off. Stay home. He was there every day. He was there every day. There's a power in showing up. There's a power in showing up, and that's what the Scripture is teaching us right here. There's a power in showing up. He would have never changed his life if he had not been present. His life would have never changed. He would have missed his miracle. He would have missed his moment if he hadn't been there. He would have missed it. There's a power in showing up. There's a power in showing up. He was there daily. He was there daily. It lets us know, keep showing up when everyone is quitting. When everyone else is giving up, you keep showing up. Keep showing up. Never give up. Never quit. Keep showing up. He was there every day. I love that. I love that. He was there every day. John Maxwell said, you'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. He was there daily. He was there daily. He was there daily. The secret to your success is found in your daily routine. You are what you do daily. Success doesn't come in a day. It comes daily. Success is a daily thing. And so the Bible was highlighting this way back then, that this man showed up every day. He was there daily. He did it day in and day out. He was consistent, shows his consistency. Shows his consistency. Shows his consistency. Oh, man, if you are inconsistent, you're going to have inconsistent results. But if you're consistent, you're going to have consistent results. And that's what the Bible is teaching us right here. He was there every day. Always show up. Always show up. Always show up. Every day. He was there every day. He did it every day. It shows you the pattern of being consistent daily. Being consistent daily. You should have some non-negotiable things that you're consistent about every day. There are some non-negotiables. There are some non-negotiables. I'll give you a list. I've already preached on this. We just finished a series entitled Enjoying Every Day, which, of course, I took a great deal of time going through what you ought to do every day, but I'll run through it quickly. Here are some things you ought to do daily because I think the Bible is highlighting that here. This man was, he was brought daily. He was brought daily. And so it's the Holy Spirit saying, there are some things you ought to be consistent. There are some things you ought to do daily because your success is found in your daily routine. Here are some things you should do daily. You should pray daily. You should pray daily. You should pray daily. Romans 12, 12 says, Steadfastly maintain the habit of prayer. Someone said that a day hemmed in by prayer is less likely to unravel. And so you pray in the morning, you pray at night. You hem the day in. Hem that day in. So you should pray daily. You should read your Bible daily. Read your Bible daily. Keep God's word fresh in your heart daily. Allow God to speak to you daily, daily. That's your daily bread. That's what Jesus said. Father, give us this day our daily bread. He's saying, man, partake of God's word every day. Partake of God's word 
every day, daily. They had to go out in the Old Testament. They had to go out and get manna every day. Notice that. They couldn't store it up. They had to get it every day. It's saying, man, get a fresh supply of God's word every day. Get a fresh supply. That keeps it fresh in your heart. Get a fresh supply of God's word every day. You can't live off of a memory. The memory of you eating a steak won't fill you up. You can't live off a memory. If you want to be filled, you have to eat today for today. You have to eat today for today. And that's the same way it is with God's Word. You need a fresh supply. I don't care if you know the Scripture already. I don't care if you memorized it already. Read it again daily because there's something released. There's something released. And so you sit down and you read it daily. Here's something else you should do daily. Learn daily. Learn daily. Make a commitment to grow daily. To read. To listen. Keep a notebook. Exercise daily. Exercise daily. Move your body. Invigorate yourself. Take a walk. In fact, when I go home today, I plan to do some jogging. (laughs) Exercise daily. Don't let a day go by. Don't let a day go by. Exercise daily. Nourish daily. Nourish daily. Eat nutrient-rich foods, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, etc. Nourish yourself daily. These are non-negotiables. These are things that you do every day because these are things where you want to be consistent in. That'll bless your life. Get plenty of sleep daily. Plenty of sleep daily. Dr. Mark Hyman says sleep is one of the cornerstones of a life full of energy, full of joy, and health. So you want to get plenty of sleep daily. You want to laugh daily. Laugh daily. That's why I try to give you a little opening joke. So at least when you go to church, you can say, I laugh today. (laughs) But anyway, take a little time to laugh Daily, Take a little time to laugh daily. I got a couple of friends, and they send me silly texts every day. But we do that just to make each other laugh. And so we do that as an endeavor to laugh, laugh daily. Here's something else that's good to do daily. Show love and be good to people daily. Show love and be good to people daily. Give thanks daily. Give thanks daily. And the final one, review your goals and do something towards your dream daily. Review your goals, do something toward your dream daily. You know, when I saw this man, the Bible specifically said that he came daily. And that was God's way of speaking, that there are some things that we should be consistent. There are some things that you should do on a daily basis because... Success is found in your daily routine. Success doesn't come in a day, it comes daily. It's the routine, it's the consistency, it's the consistency. It's the consistency of it, the consistency of it. Praise God. Well, we'll do one more, then I'll stop. Okay, a certain man was lame from his mother's birth. He was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called... I want you to get this, which is called beautiful. Which is called beautiful. Beautiful. They laid him daily at a gate called beautiful. I love this because something beautiful is about to happen at a place called beautiful. 
the name is not insignificant. The name is purposely put there because God has said, I want to do something beautiful at a place called beautiful. He was at the name of the very place of what was about to take place in his life. That reminds us, what does that say to us? It reminds us what we are to call ourselves, what we are to say about our lives. You always want to make sure that you are naming a good place because he was laid at a place called beautiful and God did something beautiful that followed that very name. And so you have to be careful what you call yourself. You have to be careful how you talk about your life because you are establishing the name of where you are. And if you want God to do some exciting things in your life, you got to make sure you have a beautiful name. You call yourself something beautiful. Every time I go visit my mother, my mother will always say, we'll discuss life. And after a few moments, my mother would say, life is, we would, I don't know, sometimes it would be me. And I might say, life is something. Because what we're doing, we're looking back over life. So we're reminiscing over 20, 30 years. We're looking back over life. And we're looking at all of the twists and all of the turns and the ups and the downs and how things work out and and we would always say, life is something. And then she said, I must add at the end of that, beautiful. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. And this man was laid at a place called beautiful. That's a place of life. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. God is saying, get an image, get a picture of a beautiful life. Stop calling your life no good and trash and stop complaining. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. You don't see things the way they are. You see things the way you are. Life is beautiful. Life is good because God is good. Life is good because God is good. Life is good because God is good. Life is always good because God is always good. Somebody will get that revelation. Somebody will get that revelation. Life is always good because God is always good. And you're in him, you're enjoying him, you're always enjoying life. When you're enjoying him, you're always enjoying life. Even though it may not look like on the outside that it should be enjoyable, but because you're enjoying him, you're always enjoying life. How could Paul rejoice and say, rejoice, and again I say rejoice, in prison? Because he understood he was enjoying him, and because he was enjoying him, God was even making life in prison enjoyable. And so it lets you know that life is good because God is good. It's something that, oh, man, I'm out of time. I'm just out of time. <laughs> in the 23rd Psalm, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. A lot of meanings to that, but here's one. Pastures are always green when you're delighting in him. Your life is always green when you're delighting in him. He makes all pastures green when you're delighting in him. 
Oh, man. We'll start right there. We'll start right there. I didn't, man, how do I just get caught like this? I get caught like this all the time. When you start having fun and the time just flies, time just flies. Let me finish saying this and then we'll stop. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. One day, one hour, and one minute will not come again in your entire life. So avoid fighting, angriness, and speak lovely to every person. You'll never get back the day, the hour, or the minute ever again in your life. So avoid fighting, angriness, and speak lovely to every person because life is beautiful. Philippians 4, 8 says, think on these things, whatever is lovely. Life is beautiful. Think on these things. Think on beautiful things. Say beautiful things. Do beautiful things. Keep your life at a place called beautiful. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful when you have a grateful heart. Life is beautiful when you have a grateful heart. We'll stop right there, man. I'm so excited. We'll get into this next time. But there's something here that God shows us on how easy it is to receive from him. And he just loves us so much. And man, it's just so exciting. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, stand on your feet. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We just love you, Lord, and just praise you and rejoice in you. We, we just love you so much. Thank you for loving us, Lord, and thank you that it's just so easy to receive from you as your kids, and we're grateful, Father, and we just bless you. And, and as we receive from you, Lord, thank you for allowing us to share the good news with others, Lord, so they can know you as well. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let every heart say, Amen. Amen. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was part three of the series titled, Easy to Receive from Our Heavenly Father, by C. Elijah Bronner. This message is number 7992. That's 7992. To listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 7992 to a friend, go to BrothersOfTheWord.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because brother, you need the word. From brother.